we determined that there was movies out there that needed a home that were willing to embrace what we thought was cutting edge independent film distribution that was digital and we were willing to put the work in to go you know find homes for those films let's discover the cleveland entrepreneurial ecosystem we are telling the stories of its entrepreneurs and those supporting them Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the pleasure of speaking with Nolan Gallagher of Gravitas Ventures. Nolan is the founder and CEO of Gravitas, which he founded back in 2006. And under Nolan's leadership, Gravitas has become a global all rights theatrical distribution company that has released more than 3,000 films on video on demand and has since been acquired by Anthem Sports and Entertainment in 2021. Through its relationship with over 200 audience-facing customers, Gravitas can distribute a film into over 100 million homes in North America and over 1 billion homes worldwide. Nolan, who was born here in Cleveland and ultimately brought Gravitas back to Cleveland from the West Coast, has been named a Hollywood new leader by Variety and was chosen as part of the inaugural IndieWire Influencer class, which recognized leaders in the independent film industry. Nolan has spoken on numerous industry panels, including the Toronto International Film Festival, South by Southwest Film Festival, and the Produced by Conference. Previously, Nolan worked in corporate marketing roles at industry leaders like Comcast, Warner Brothers, and General Cinema Theaters. This was a, a fascinating conversation covering the business of entertainment and Nolan's journey building Gravitas into the pivotal distributor that it is today. Please enjoy my conversation with Nolan Gallagher. Nolan, thank you very much for, for coming on today. I'd love to start, you know, if you could just tell us a, a little bit about yourself, the the arc of your career and and you know, what, what drew you to the world of, of film? Yeah, sure, Jeffrey. It's great to be on the Lay of the Land podcast. I grew up in Cleveland on the west side in Lakewood, and I grew up a, a massive movie fan. I, I was a movie and a, and, a, and a sports fan here in town, continue to be both. But growing up, you know, I would fight my father for, for, for the sports page of the, the Cleveland Plain Dealer every single day of the week, except for Tuesdays. On Tuesdays, I always wanted the arts and entertainment section first. And I would pull out the arts and the entertainment section, and I would look at what was the top 10 grossing movies at the movie theaters the weekend before. And, uh, and I would chart them, and I would see if my favorite movies were doing well week after week. And I was very excited by that. I had a huge passion for that. There was no one in my industry, or excuse me, my family was into the, the entertainment business. My mom was nice enough to drop me off at Westgate or the Westwood Mall General Cinema and, and watch multiple movies a day. But, but I got so excited charting, you know, how a film would perform in, in movie theaters. And, and this was very strange behavior for a nine-year-old child. Um, but I, I took the same amount of passion for movie grosses that I did when I was collecting baseball cards or basketball cards. I just kind of like loved looking at the numbers and became really a fan of, of Hollywood, but also a fan of show business because it's both. It's fantastic stories, as well as there's a business side to it. I parlayed that enthusiasm. Ultimately, uh, when I went to college, I went to Boston College in Massachusetts, and it just so happens that the corporate office of a company called General Cinema Theaters 
where I used to go as a kid was right next door to, to my college campus. And I was fortunate to get my, my foot in the door in the entertainment industry as an intern there and then ultimately as a full-time employee. My job there as a 22-year-old, I couldn't have been more thrilled. I, I got to watch movies before they were out. Uh, there are people called <laughs> film buyers who watch a movie three or four weeks before it shows up in different megaplexes around the world, and they determine if the movie's good and whether or not it should play in, in how many theaters in, in, a, in a circuit. I was able to, to sit in and, and view that process. But my job was to sell advertising. And, and so I, I, I sold advertising before a movie starts, before the trailers started. I sold advertising on popcorn bags. And, and I really just worked with the major studios to see if they would do you know promotions uh, within our movie theaters. It was a great foot in the door. I loved what I was doing. It really you know uh, galvanized me to want to stay in the industry. And then ultimately, I followed my boss to a company called Comcast in Philadelphia. And, and, and Comcast is the you know largest cable operator in North America. Uh, they also own you know NBC Universal. And um, my job then, this is 2003, was to work again with the major Hollywood movie studios. This time it wasn't selling advertising on popcorn bags. It was trying to convince them to spend studio marketing dollars to promote the service that was brand new called Video On Demand. And this is essentially mm. renting a movie <laughs> with a remote control for $5 at a time where everyone was still going to Blockbuster. DVDs were the thing. You were renting at Blockbuster. You were buying them on Tuesday at Walmart and Best Buy. And other than the odd person who might do rent a movie in a hotel room, Video On Demand wasn't really a thing. Netflix was still sending movies around in red envelopes. Hulu hadn't been invented. Amazon Prime hadn't been invented, and, and Apple was just early starting to sell music. And so I sat there in Philadelphia, and uh, I thought it was really cool that, that you could rent 200 movies, mostly Hollywood movies, at the touch of a button with your remote control. And it was there that a light bulb, the proverbial entrepreneur's light bulb, went off. I had read somewhere that 10,000 people made movies every year, and they applied to Sundance, which is the preeminent American film festival that occurs in Utah in January. And I thought to myself, well, there's like 10,000 movies made every year. When I go on my Comcast, which is in 20 million homes, there's only like 200 movies available. What happens to all those other movies if they're not mm -hmm. getting up on Comcast? And that's where I, I thought to myself, well, you know, maybe, you know, there's, there's, there's a path forward as an entrepreneur. I was just at the right place at the right time, I had access to data that showed that like people were really renting these movies. I remember watching a, a, and seeing the results of Jack Black's film, The School of Rock, and there was a lot of people who rented that movie. And, and I said to myself, I gotta find a way to do this. And what I ended up doing is I, I moved to Los Angeles, really didn't know anyone whatsoever, but I'd always wanted to live in Los Angeles. I ended up getting my MBA from the University of Southern California during the day and, and, and sort of on the nights and on the weekends and in my free time, I, I launched Gravitas. I launched Gravitas same way that a lot of independent filmmakers make their movies on maxed out credit cards uh, with a laptop, a cell phone. I was working from a poker table. I was not funded in, in any way whatsoever, but, but I had to use my smarts, my guile, my time and my effort to try to get Gravitas off the ground.
And what what was that original vision that you had for Gravitas, right? I, I understand really the clairvoyance you had around the what would become the proliferation of, of video on demand, but what how do you kind of take that idea as a concept and work towards the business opportunity through Gravitas? Sure. Yeah, like 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 many entrepreneurs, you know, I wrote a business plan and and I gotten my MBA in, in entrepreneurship and I I you know, written this 120-page uh, business plan over the course of six months of, about how Gravitas was going to, you know, play a, a meaningful part in, in, in video on demand. And at the time, I thought to myself, oh, well, this is, this is great. I'll find eight movies a year, and it'll, it'll just be me, and I will live in sunny Manhattan Beach, California, and, and there'll be plenty of time to sort of, um, you know, pick my, my heels up, enjoy the surf. I just got to find eight movies. Well, well, as many entrepreneurs know, oftentimes uh, the, the business plan is, is, is really just the starting point and, mm-hmm. and that your businesses go off in many different directions. And, and I quickly realized that, that my, my dream of what, what I would call a lifestyle business as an individual was not practical. Three, four years later, after launching the company in, in 2006, we were churning out 300 movies a year. We were looking at thousands every year, and we continue to look at probably 3,000 movies every year. Um, but we determined that our path was to work on 300 movies a year, and there was four of us in the company at the time. And, and to put that into perspective, you know, our, our company, our competitors, you know, might work on 30 movies a year but with 90 people. Um, but but we determined that there was movies out there that, that needed a home that were willing to embrace what we thought was cutting edge, independent film distribution that was digital. And we were willing to put the work in to go, you know, find homes for those films. And in those earliest days, you know, before you get to the the volume of, of 300, you know, we'll, we'll get to 3000, I think, as we make our way chronologically through the story here. But what what do you look back in retrospect as, as Gravitas's first break? Like how how do you actually go about becoming a distributor? There was two breaks, I, I would say. The the first break was, you know, I, I was sort of out there looking for films, finished films. And I had the good fortune while I was working at Comcast and while I was at business school to develop a relationship with uh, the largest movie studio in the world called Warner Brothers. And I had interned for them, I, I had continued to keep in touch with them. While I was in business school, and ultimately I, I pitched to them the idea, you know, that I could start this company going out and essentially sourcing content for them, and, and they were nice enough to, to take a chance on a, on a very underfunded or non-funded individual working from his poker table. But that was a huge break. It gave me a lot of credibility when I would go and talk to filmmakers and say, "Hey, largest movie studio in the world is is willing to actually read my emails and potentially, you know, license a movie." from the startup. And, and the first movie that, w- that we got was uh, a documentary called The Secret. It's based on a best-selling book by uh, an author named Rhonda Byrne, and it's about the law of attraction. And, and it's all about, essentially, if you think good thoughts and, and you have a plan, you know, um, things can happen to you. I think I probably called or emailed nine or ten times to eventually get a hold of someone down in, in sort of you know, New Zealand, Australia, who, who could talk to me about the documentary 
that was a companion piece to a book that had sold 30 odd million copies, had been featured twice uh, on Oprah's club at the time. And that was a big break. When we eventually secured certain rights to distribute the documentary, I was able to present the film to Warner Brothers. And then, you know, they did the amazing work that the largest movie studio in the world can do as far as, you know, sharing the film with over 100 million, you know, homes. And, and that really allowed us to, you know, capitalize Gravitas. Uh, I, I'd run up, you know, five or six credit cards and I was kind of, you know, maxed out, if you will. And, and, and when that film finally came through, you know, it allowed me not only to, to pay off the debt that I had put on the company, but also led to the second and, and by far most long-term break that, that I had. And that was uh, a very close friend um, named Michael Murphy joined Gravitas in 2007. Michael and I had gone to school together at St. Ignatius uh, here in Cleveland. We had studied abroad together at the University College Galway in Ireland. Michael, after college, uh, went off to law school. He served uh, in the army. He had done poor in, in, in Iraq and, and was working as in the office of the Judge Advocate General in Washington, D.C. And, you know, he was at a, a point in his life where he was looking at, at different career options. And, and, and I did my best to pitch him on a, an extremely nascent, low-revenue company called Gravitas Ventures. And, <laughs> and he was kind enough to, to, to drive to, to California. And, you know, we, we worked out of our kitchen for, for, for many years. But now we've been together for, for 15 years and, and continue to, you know, release films and, and, and shape, you know, the future of independent films together. Mm. In those earliest days, was the perception that what you were, you know, working towards with video on demand, like, did, did people look at you kind of, you know, that you're crazy or did people, were, were people aligned that this is the way the world is going at that point? I would say there was an, uh, a very healthy skepticism around video on demand because like phrase video on demand had been talked about for many, many years. When you actually get down to business in, in Hollywood and you're talking to producers and you're talking to financiers, it's like, show me the money. Like, and, and what that means is like mm. either pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or millions of dollars for my movie that I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars filming. And, and that's really where the rubber meets the road. And again, I didn't have any money. And, you know, it took us seven or eight years before we actually like bought a movie. And, and that first movie we, we bought was for $50,000 out of the Sundance Film Festival. And, and even then, eight years in, I was like, this could bankrupt the whole operation. You know, today, you know, we're, we're paying millions of dollars for, for individual movies. Uh, but back then, for a, a technology that, that wasn't easily understood by, by producers, again, there was no Netflix streaming, there, there was no Amazon Prime, Comcast is not, an, it, they, they are the largest cable operator, but you have to live in a Comcast market to really have the service to see how powerful it ultimately became. Um, there was just a lot of apprehension and an unwillingness, certainly, to take a chance on a startup like Gravitas who would, would only work on the film on what's called revenue share, or i.e., we get the movie for free, trust us, we'll, we'll pay you in six months after people have rented the movie. Thankfully, you know, a trickle of producers sort of bought our pitch, to, to use Hollywood language, 
and and then you know eventually there was a snowball effect and certainly having a movie like the secret where i could say no really you know it, it works trust me and, and if, you, if you don't trust me call this producer we, we, we've sent them a, a sizable royalty check you know that that was helpful so I know there's a, a particular qualifier with Gravitas that is all rights distribution. What, what, what is meant by that? It essentially means we handle everything, just, just like a, a major Hollywood movie studio, whether it's Warner Brothers or Sony or Disney, as it relates to distribution. We, we will take a film. You know, right now, you know, the Cleveland International Film Festival is happening, and it's an amazing film festival. And they get 100,000 people to show up every single year. And so our team is there. We're covering it. Uh, we'll watch dozens of movies and, and, you know, we'll acquire, you know, a handful of those movies and we'll say it's an all rights deal. And what that can mean is eventually, let's just say six months later from today, after we acquire the film, well, we can put the movie in movie theaters. Uh, we can put the movie on, on video on demand with, with all or, or, or many of the, the, the players that, that I, I talked about uh, previously. We can put the movie on DVD. We, we still put all of our movies out on DVD. There's, there's quite a segment of the population that loves the feel of a physical product and, and will buy DVDs. And then we can also sell it to what's called subscription video on demand or, or TV entities. And those could be Netflix or HBO Max or Hulu or, or some of those other services that people have where they, they, for a fixed price per month, they have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of choices of ways to uh, enjoy their film or their television entertainment. So what does the, the process actually look like today from, you know, filmmakers seeking distribution for a film that they've made to someone streaming that film online, going to a theater and watching it in person? What are the, the steps involved in that process? You know, it sounds like there's some inbound stuff that's coming your way. There's some outbound stuff. You're going to the Cleveland Film Festival. You're, you're checking out films. What are the methods by which you acquire content? Yeah, so so as I mentioned previously, we probably look at about three thousand movies. You know, we have three people whose whose full time job is, is is to watch movies and talk to producers, and, and ultimately, you know, if we're interested, um, and and you know, to put out three hundred and to look at three thousand, it means we have to say no, thank you, nine times out of ten, to really find that the, the three hundred films that we think are partners, and we have two hundred different partners who we do business with. We'll, we'll like, you know, there, there's there's a curation that, that occurs. But once we find a film that we like, and then we do a license agreement. And, and this is a great opportunity to talk about another huge break that, that came with, with Gravitas's journey. And that's when my brother, Brendan Gallagher, joined our company. And, and he is our executive vice president and handles business affairs, which means that he's the person who is, is talking to the producers to iron out the license agreement that will allow Gravitas to, to take on what is generally exclusive rights for a film, to distribute it, you know, certainly in North America, oftentimes around the world, because we want to get a film in, in front of 100 million homes uh, in North America or, or a billion homes globally. And, and so Brendan has been with the company over, over 10 years, it was an owner in the company, and he not only, you know, uh, makes sure that everything is legally sound, but he's one of the people who, along with the full-time acquisition executives and myself, go to many film festivals. We certainly go to Cleveland, but we also go to, we were just at South by Southwest last month, and, and we'll go to Tribeca in a couple months, and Toronto, and Sundance. You know, we're always on the lookout for, for great content. 
we see them at film festivals. We get them sent to us by you know sales agents in Hollywood. We get referrals, which is the best. You know, we are now working on the third or fourth or fifth film of, of a lot of our filmmakers who we've now been in business with for over ten years and their friends. But we also get submissions through our, our website. And I, I can say that, you know, I, I probably get a half a dozen movies sent to me every single day. Uh, we make sure that all, everyone's email address from day one is on our website. We're, we're really more than happy to do business with, with, with anyone who, who has made a movie. And as a result of the 3,000 movies that you alluded to, we've worked with probably more first-time filmmakers in, in the last 15 years than any other company. And it's not just first-time filmmakers, it's female filmmakers, it's, it's filmmakers from, from other minority groups. You know, we've really had the ability to, to, to work really across spectrums of, of, of filmmakers. Um, you know, we work on so many different genres where we are not, you know, contained and targeted to one particular audience. You know, anywhere we think that there's going to be interest in, in a film, you know, we're, we're willing to uh, acquire and, and, and and do professional distribution for it. And as you kind of outline the the nature of this, it was just occurring to me how how analogous it is in a lot of ways to venture capital, just from managing deal flow, making investments, and taking bets on on founders, if you will, uh, who are who are you know creating these these films. When you think about the diligence process and, and taking you know three thousand down to three hundred. To, to work specifically on on that, you know, how are you parsing signal from from noise? How how do you cut 10x of the inbound stuff? What are what are the I don't know, what are the factors or variables that you, that you're weighing when you gauge the prospective success of of a given film or or a person that that you're choosing to work with? Oh, I like the end of that question. So there, let's go back to show business. Well, like there's the show part and and. You know, first off, in, in any sort of creative endeavor, especially in Hollywood, does it have a good story? Is, is there a good plot? How are the production values? Is this something that we think will have great word of mouth, you know, once people have a chance to watch it? We, we don't have major Hollywood studio marketing budgets. We, we think we do great with the money that we do spend. Um, but we want people to eventually talk and say, hey, take a chance on this movie. And so that's that's one thing. Secondly is, does it have recognizable cast? Um, you know, if, if anyone goes on our, our website, they can watch our sizzle reel. We've had the, the good fortune to work with hundreds and hundreds of, of talented actors and actresses and directors. And then we look at, you know, what are the genres? Uh, what, what are the genres that we think people are, are you know, continually interested in um, year after year? And, and we've really specialized in, in documentary. It's something I personally love. We probably put out over 100 documentaries a year. We also do 100 horror movies a year. Because we know that those people who enjoy those movies, it's, it's not just like an activity around Halloween. They like it every single day of the year. And we also you know, look for genres like comedy or action or thriller or sci-fi or animation or subgenres like sports documentaries that we think we know we can identify an audience and, and, and serve them a fantastic film. We also look at our data to, to, to maybe you know, talk a little bit about the venture capital point of your question. Uh, we look at our data as to like what are what's called in the industry comp titles like like this documentary we might be looking at does this look and feel similar to other documentaries that we maybe released two years ago or three years ago especially if it's like a sports documentary we've got dozens of comp titles that we can look at to see how much money they 
generated to be able to frame how much we might offer a producer to buy their movie. We, we've put out now over 3,500 movies and our, our, call it our hit rate, if you will, is, is, is well north of 80% of our movies have been profitable. And, and so it's looking at that comp data to, to make sure that you're continuing to make, you know, wise decisions as, you know, the landscape of, of how audiences enjoy movies uh, continues to change. But one of the other and, and not often talked about things that we look at when we talk to a producer is, mm. do we think that there's good fit here? Like whether it's in a Zoom call, whether it's in a cup of coffee at a film festival, whether it's looking at a producer's track record of previous films, you know, when you when you enter into an agreement with a distributor, it could be 10, 15, 20 years. And, and you really want good fit because it's an exclusive relationship. It's, it's like a, you know, it's a long term relationship. And um, I think over. Over the years, we've, we've been uh, very fortunate to work with thousands and thousands of producers who have been great fits for us. And, and that's where, to, to go back to Brendan Gallagher on our team, you know, mm. him and, and our acquisitions execs over the years, like, they not only do a great job of, you know, watching the film for its merits, but, but also, you know, finding, you know, people, producers that kind of, like, match the core values and the fit that, that we want. Uh, at just curious, like how much of it, of that decision-making process do you think is, is quantitative and, and based on the metrics versus what is qualitative and, and based on your intuition and, and your like collective gut as a, as an organization? I would say it's like 75% qualitative and, and, and 25% quantitative. We'll watch a trailer and say like, okay, this is good. Let's offer this. You know, and, and that's that's qualitative. I've, I've watched thousands and thousands of trailers. I've been with the company from day one. Um, I, I kind of have, you know, a, a good feel for, for, for comps in my head, but it, it, we're not necessarily running through a massive analysis because, you know, if, if it's an inexpensive film for us to acquire, it's a, it's a relatively quick decision. Now, when we start paying millions of dollars for certain movies, we, we definitely look more at, at some of the quantitative elements of the film. We want to have multiple eyes uh, across the organization, take a look at films, you know, because there's other departments, whether it's the theatrical booking department, whether it's the sales department, or whether it's like the marketing PR department, that we want to make sure that they're bought in, that, that they think that this film will have that great word of mouth I referenced to make back our investment. So one of the, the things that I'm, I'm very curious about is you know, so ultimately you've, you've moved out West to, to the land of film and, and movies, you know, how is it that you bring the company back to Cleveland and, and what, what's the thinking behind this transition? Yeah, I, I started the company in, in, in 2006. Ultimately, you know, I, I spent about, you know, 14 years in, in Los Angeles. Los Angeles was, a uh, was, and continues to be an amazing place to, to, to work, especially in the entertainment industry you know, was able to have, you know, countless, countless, you know, meetings with, with producers and see fantastic films and go to red carpets. But, but ultimately, it's, it was very important to myself, as, as well as the other owners of, of Gravitas, Michael Murphy and Brendan Gallagher, that, that we wanted to, to be part of the economic activity in Cleveland. And, and so, you know, we ended up buying 
uh, a floor of a building down in Ohio City, and uh, we wanted to plant our flag as like what we like to say uh, the, the largest uh, independent film distributor in, in Northeast Ohio or the Midwest, and just prove that it could be done. And uh, you know, thankfully, you know, we didn't skip a beat. But we, we we moved the, the whole company in 2019. We've got a, an amazing team of approximately 25 people who work for us uh, here in Cleveland. And, and, it, and it's fun to be uh, a part of this business community. You know, the, the great thing about not just Hollywood, but, but really in Cleveland is, is everyone is, it's, it's your one degree of separation from, from everyone. And, and that's served us well uh, in Hollywood and it continues to, to serve us well here in Cleveland. And, and you know, we, we couldn't be happier being here and, and we, we frequently invited and, and entertained people from New York and L.A. and Toronto to come to Cleveland to experience it and um, to, to, to further invest in, in, you know, this industry here. And, and it's in this industry in Cleveland is certainly uh, way more than just gravitas. I mentioned the film festival. We've got a great film commission. We have companies uh, like like Overdrive that are here in Cleveland. Uh, we have companies like Findaway that are here in Cleveland. There's a company called Boxcast that's also heavily involved in media right down the street from us. So there's a, a real burgeoning, you know, media and entertainment industry uh, occurring here in Cleveland. And, and, and we couldn't be happier to be a part of it. And what we also found, because we did have a, a small satellite office in Cleveland for, for many, many years, is that the, the talent that, that we've been able to identify in Cleveland, you know, is just as good. If, if not better than, than the talent that, that we would find when we were on the West Coast. Um, we, we've hired so many uh, graduates from, from CSU. Uh, we've recently hired a great graduate from Kent State. You know, we're always looking to hire great local talent uh, here in Northeast Ohio. And, and I think that they're excited to work for uh, an industry that's, you know, uh, global in focus and, and, and loves the business of, uh, of movies. As the market has converged with, you know, again, your, your vision for at the time, very early for video on demand. I imagine that has brought with it a, a swell, an influx of, of many other people who, you know, perhaps saw the, saw the wave coming and, and were working to be entrepreneurial in the space. When you think about, you know, competition, you know, what, what does that look like? And, and how, from that perspective is Gravitas differentiated? Yeah, you know, it's it's it, we live in such a, a unique little piece of the industry. I, I kind of like long ago stopped thinking of, of the my colleagues who who work in this business as, as competition. There, there there's so many movies that get made, ten thousand a year. Like occasionally, yes, we will bump in to you know a company that's that's pursuing the exact same movie, and and, and that's what's what's really uh, interesting about it. Um, you know, we all will converge at these film festivals and, and the lights will go down on a movie and there might be a thousand people, you know, in, in Park City at the screening. No one else in the world has seen this movie yet. And, and of those thousand people, there's like 950 of them are just like general audience people who love independent film. But I know that there's 49 of my <laughs> competitors also in that darkened room. And, um, you know, even if the movie's not over yet, I, I know that. You know, some of them are emailing the sales agent saying, we love this movie and we'll pay this millions of dollars. Or, or when the lights come up, they're, they're, they're rushing the agent or they're, they're talking to the producer late into the night. 
Uh, it's just such a rewarding and interesting profession that I've gotten to enjoy for 16 years. But but it, it's not pitched intense competition. We, there, there's a there's a movie we might not get it, and 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 I w- I wish the film uh, to be successful, e- even if it's with you know someone that's that's if it's with a company other than than Gravitas, and and I think they they do the same for us. It's it's still a really challenging industry, but but we've been able to do well for ourselves so over 16 years and there's a lot of fun you know we, we travel the same circuit going to these film festivals or these film markets and and entrepreneurs like to help other entrepreneurs and and, and i think that that we see that in our industry as well that that film distributors like to help other film distributors it might be a hey who's the buyer at this company or do you know someone who who you know might be able to fill this particular position in our organization or can you help us with our accounting software, you know, it's there, there's a lot of camaraderie and that's one of the many reasons, you know, I like working in this industry. Has your, your passion for, for movies and, and the industry overall changed over time or how, how, how do you feel about it? I think my, my passion is, is for the industry. Uh, it c- continues to glow hot. It's a cliche, but like literally every day is different. And now having done this for, for 16 years, I can, truly say that. And I know tomorrow will be very different than today was. And, and that's exciting. And I really enjoy building. And, you know, I we've been fortunate to recently have been bought by a company called uh, Anthem Sports and Entertainment uh, based out of Toronto. They're great people. They share similar values as we do, kind of like Midwest or Canadian values that we found to be very similar. And they own a lot of really interesting properties from, from cable channels to um, wrestling promotions and female mixed martial arts promotions and and, and other properties that, that that really try to cater to you know enthusiastic audiences and and now they own Gravitas with, with our you know 3,500 title library that that appeals to you know massive swaths of of of, of general audience but but also a, a lot of you know audiences that are really into particular subject matter so it gets me excited. I will say, to, to, to be fair to your question, I don't watch as many independent films when, when I'm not working. You know, mm. give me a broad Melissa McCarthy comedy where she's swearing up a blue streak any day of the week because I need yeah. to laugh. And uh, she delivers the goods. And uh, it's that and, and, you know, probably children's movies now that I have uh, young children. But but still still love the industry, still love film. Yeah, I would be remiss to to not ask you about what your your favorite films are. Uh, I was going to ask later, but while we're on the topic, what what are your what are your top? Oh, well, we ask everyone who works for Gravitas what their top three movies are. Mine have 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 really never changed. They predate Gravitas. It goes back to you know maybe that 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 time when I would just like love 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 movies. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is my number one. Uh, Field of Dreams is my number two. And I really like a movie called Bottle Rocket, which is uh, Wes Anderson's very first movie. That, that's in a tie with The Big Lebowski, uh, with, which I got to enjoy when I was in Ireland. And so, uh, uh, so many great fantastic. movies out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there really are. Big Lebowski's on my list as well. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll circle back here. Speaking to the the Anthem acquisition and, and just some questions broadly about that, you know, as you think about what that allows for that you couldn't accomplish uh, without the, the resources they're providing. What does it unlock? Um, and, and the other question I have about that is, 
especially with the the folks you've worked with on a repeat basis, have you ever explored, you know, getting more upstream in the film creation process? Uh, like, you know, if you've already established a relationship, a trust, like coming in more at an idea stage than a finished product stage and, and how you've kind of explored potentially different opportunities for Gravitas as a business. Yeah, we, we do that very selectively, but in general, Gravitas doesn't read scripts. We're not on set. We're not investing in movies, you know, before they're made, quite frankly. You know, we wait to watch the finished product. We think that, again, there's a lot of product out there that those 3,000 movies that, that you know, we, we don't need to get involved that early. Because when you work at the volume that we do, you, you just kind of have to, to choose your spots. You know, as an entrepreneur, you know, no can, can be like, you know, one of the most powerful words that, that, that you can use. So no, we don't produce and, and no, we don't work on short films or, or no, we don't work on television series generally. And that's really allowed us to focus and allowed us to scale our business in, in a very fast fashion. I mean, I keep going back to this like 3,500 titles, but like we were able to build that in, in 15 years. And, and the major Hollywood studios, it took them 90 years to, to build that, that volume. Now, their movies are bigger and, and more well-known and more valuable, certainly. But there's, it's great when you have 3,500 titles because then, you know, new entre- entrepreneurs will, will emerge and, and they will launch services online and, and they want access to, to you know, a thousand titles at a time so they can, like, mm. target a dozen different audiences and, and we're one of the few companies out there that can uh, handle that request uh, very quickly. Well, I think just generally taking us a, a more macro step back, you know, one of the more interesting things um, that I've been following about just the proliferation of the internet is how it has unlocked niches that, you know, historically, you know, you were, you were confined to those who were in your geographic proximity for whatever interest that you had. And as people have gotten online, it's really led to this proliferation of, of niches, um, you know, very specific topics that likely, you know, don't interest any individual person on average, but of which there are many millions of people who are incredibly interested in that specific niche topic. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm curious your, your take on, on like the power of niches and, and how you've seen those develop over the last few years. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I think you see this oftentimes in, 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 in documentary, you know, we, we've had, you know, quite a lot of um, wonderful documentaries that, that we've worked on. I mean, the secret I, I talked about, which you could broadly call something like that would fall into like the self-help category, if you will. We, we've had a, a, a great string of like awesome music documentaries. We were fortunate to collaborate with Dave Grohl on his directorial debut called Sound City. Uh, we worked on a documentary that I was personally really proud of about the rise and fall of Tower Records, directed by Colin Hanks, called All Things Must Pass. CrossFit, or for those people who love CrossFit, and we know there's a lot of them because uh, we've worked on at least a half a dozen movies, documentaries with, with CrossFit. You know, we're, we're happy to, to, to collaborate with them. Last year, we were uh, really uh, fortunate. We had our first Academy Award nomination for a Chilean movie. Mm. you know, that, that deals with issues around old age called the mole agent. And so when, when you kind of like work or willing to work on, on a wide variety of content, even within one genre like documentary, 
it can bear some some really fantastic films. When you think about the the future and the you know what's what's coming next, a few questions you know about that framing. To start, what is the future of movie theaters and in person attendance? It's not going to end, and 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 a lot of people like to t- talk about this, and they've been talking about it for decades. And um, you know, a billion plus people will go to the movie theaters every single year, and enjoying a, a, a movie in, in a theater is one of life's great pleasures. And and there's always going to be teenagers, let's just say, who want to get out of the house, and and you know, a movie theater provides a, a great forum for that. You know, we've seen it just in the last six months with with movies like. Spider-Man, if, if you put really compelling content into movie theaters, people people will go. And filmmakers love being in movie theaters. I mean, it is, you know, it, it is the history of Hollywood. It is the, the, the history of, you know, physical movie theaters. And there's fantastic venues now where, where you can enjoy those films. You know, we're one of the very few companies that, that have actually really embraced theatrical since COVID started. You know, we've now released five or six films in, in you know, near a thousand screens and in and, and, and one instance up to, to 2000 screens. So we, we took, you know, the, the, the situation with the pandemic and, and, and tried to turn it into a positive from a business standpoint. We went out to Las Vegas to something called CinemaCon and, and said to the, the, the movie theaters, hey, we, we know we are traditionally thought of as maybe more of a video on demand company. But, you know, we've got really interesting films here as the Hollywood movie studios have moved their movies onto streaming services or delayed the release in movie theaters, would, would you play our movies in, in theaters? And, and they were uh, wonderful collaborators in, in that regard. I cannot wait to see Top Gun 2 in a movie theater uh, next month. I've been waiting to see this movie for two years and, and, and will be so thrilled to, to sink down in a movie uh, seat and, and, and watch that film. The, the thing that has kind of struck me because, and maybe this is just my own you know, anecdotal take having experienced it, but to me, it was a little strange over the last two years seeing a movie primed to be released on a given, you know, virtual channel, right? Like exclusively released on Disney plus or uh, Netflix. What, what is happening there? Yeah, obviously in the context of the pandemic, but you know, is there a longevity to what's happening for for what you know has been the effect of of the remote world that that we find ourselves in now? Yeah, I, I think the, the the short answer is like the, the 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 overall like sort of revenue pie is is growing larger, and that's good for the ecosystem of the industry. You know, producers are getting paid, directors are getting paid, talent is getting paid. You know, companies are staying in business. And it's, it's, it's fantastic for audiences, you know, because, you know, they just have more options of how they prefer to, to, to watch movies, whether it's in the home, whether it's in theaters. And, and, you know, why it's happening is, you know, any entrepreneur knows that, like, you know, revenue is important. And, you know, one type of revenue that's particularly desired is subscription revenue. And so companies like Netflix and, and Amazon through their Amazon Prime service have, have you know, accumulated north of 100 million subscribers. And, and HBO, which is now really, they talk a lot about HBO Max, you know, they're, they're up to, when, when you combine it with their, you know, sort of traditional HBO subscribers, I think they announced this week that they have like 73 million subscribers. And Disney Plus, in a very short period of time, has, has generated, 
a huge subscriber base and there's others. And, and so it, it's really interesting. It, it's brought a, a, a ton of new voices, new creators into the ecosystem. And, and as a consumer, I think we, we've got a ton of really excellent choices on a near nightly basis because it, it's such a, a race, if you will, to, to bring, you know, new and interesting TV and, and film programming into homes as well as, you know, in theaters where it makes sense for them. What has you most excited about the future of the, the industry? Like what, what, is, what in your mind is the next video on demand, you know, 10 years out? What, what, what's going what's gonna to change? What, what are you excited about? Uh, it's global. It, it's, it's, it's so cool, you know, to think that we buy worldwide rights. Like we have over a thousand films of ours where we have worldwide rights and that there's going to be not just companies like I just mentioned, you know, Netflix and HBO that are already global, but there's there's new entrants that like five years ago, you know, maybe wasn't as, as well known like Pluto or Tubi, where people can watch movies for free, which is which is always what a lot of consumers prefer. But they are they are launching their services in, in dozens and dozens of countries over time so that we can, you know, find a great story. And, and, and share that with, with a billion people. And, and that wasn't really the way that the industry was aligned five or, or 10 years ago. You, you had to go to film markets and, and sell it territory by territory with all of these different individual companies. And there would be all sorts of different release dates uh, depending on the uh, aims and objectives of those underlying distribution companies. It was just very fractured, you know, and, and now to be able to go um, you know, globally on day one, uh, much easier is, is, is terrific. I mean, but we've been doing this for a long time, going globally. I mean, to go back to that film I mentioned, Dave Grohl's documentary, Sound City, like he had the vision, whatever it was, almost 10 years ago and said, hey, I've got this great documentary. I'm going to debut it at Sundance. Can you get it out around the world a week later? And, you know, I will go promote it and, and, and I will do talk shows and I will host SNL and I'll do a keynote you know, six weeks later at South by Southwest. And, um, you know, we said, absolutely. And then we went about trying to figure out how to do that. And, and we were successful because there were companies like Apple who, you know, really, really supported that particular film in a big way on debut uh, across, you know, a hundred different countries. When you reflect on, on the journey so far from a, an entrepreneurship and, and company building perspective, what are, what are the, the biggest lessons and, and learnings that that you've taken with you um that that it's it's fun to 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 uh, work with your family and friends first off it's been a wild ride and and it's great to work in an industry that is is a relationship based industry all industries are let's be honest but but hollywood or media and entertainment in particular is one that really values the relationships and um you know things like like track record and, 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 you know, people referring, you know, and, and helping each other out. And that's very different than like what I expected going into all this as a, you know, a very, very young executive or, or, or startup founder. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be impossible to ever get a job in Hollywood, you know, going back to just the kid from Cleveland who didn't know anyone in the industry. But uh, on the contrary, if I look back now over a 20 plus year career, it's turned out to be much more of a meritocracy um, than I expected, and uh, just 
you know, hundreds, if not thousands of great relationships have, have, have come about because of it. Mm. I, I was actually going to ask what, what you thought some of the biggest misperceptions of the industry are that, you know, someone as a, a viewer like myself with no other involvement than consuming film might, might have about <laughs> the, the perceptions of, of what's involved. Yeah, it's that it's it's available to, to people who, who want to spend the time and the effort to, to, to be a part of it. When I started, it was, you know, you, you weren't like really applying online and, and or there was like just nascent websites that, that you could try to apply. But everyone was applying to the same six major studios. But nowadays, with the proliferation of social media and just with like the proliferation of what we define as content. Um, whether it's YouTube channels or whether it's like film and, 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 and television or whether it's short form content that can be seen on a variety of different ways, including social media, there's just a lot of opportunity and, and you can reach the decision makers. I mean, someone wants to work at, in the entertainment industry, like, you know, go go tweet at the CEO and, you know, chances are as one, I love that initiative. And, and so like it's, it's really out there and, and I've, I've spoken at, at, in a few college classrooms and whatever your passion is, like go to where the action is. Oftentimes in my industry, it's like New York or LA and, and, and put in your five years and, and, and be willing to, to do anything, you know, treat people with respect, work hard and, you know, it, it'll pay off because again, people want to help other people in, in the industry. And uh, once you establish that track record of, of being able to deliver, they'll want to stay with you for, for years on down the line. Mm. We'll bookend the, the conversation here. You know, we, we kind of touched on your favorite movies already, but from the, the Gravitas library, I want to solicit some of your favorites from, from there. Sure. I, I mentioned a, a documentary called All Things Must Pass about the rise and fall of Tower Records. I think that that's a just a really exceptionally well-made documentary, but it also covers a lot of different themes, certainly music, but, but also just like what it's like to, to run a successful business over decades that, that at some point, maybe it isn't as successful as like the world evolves or in the, in the case of that particular industry, you know, uh, physical records were replaced by, you know, digital singles, a uh, fantastic movie, a movie that I'm particularly proud our company had a chance to work on. It's called Our Friend. It stars Dakota Johnson, Jason Siegel, Casey Affleck. It's one that's uh, a drama that, that we acquired out of the Toronto Film Festival in 2019. We released it, you know, during COVID. Um, it's available everywhere you watch movies, but you, you can find it on Amazon Prime. Just a really powerful story about friendship over time, made, made by uh, a wonderful uh, director, Gabriella Copperthwaite. You know, and then if you want something that, that's more family friendly and, and, and lighthearted to, to come full circle, I, I talked about how uh, we, we worked on the documentary of The Secret. Uh, but then uh, I think 14 years later, we got to work on the narrative version of The Secret. And it's a great film starring Katie Holmes that once again, you know, touches on issues around family, around positive thinking. And it's one that has been the most successful film we've ever uh, released. And, and you can you know, find that anywhere you enjoy great movies. Well, uh, a natural follow-up to that, that question and our closing question for everyone on the show is um, for not necessarily your favorite 
thing in Cleveland, but for hidden gems, things that other folks may not know about, but should. Yeah. So, you know, watching movies is, is, is kind of a, a sit down and, and lean back experience, but, but sometimes we all have to get out and exercise and, 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 and feel uh, rejuvenated. And, and what I've done, especially in recent months, is, is play a sport called uh, paddle tennis. And uh, it's, it's a lot like tennis, but, but, but a smaller court. Other people play various variations of, of racket sports like pickleball, but, but it's a great outdoor sport. And, and recently, uh, four courts were, were built uh, right in downtown Cleveland. It's the Flats Platform Tennis Center. It's down by, by Merwin's Wharf uh, in the, on the Scranton Peninsula. They, they offer free lessons to anyone who wants to pick up the game. And, and it's a great social game that, that also allows you to kind of get your heart moving. And so uh, I highly recommend it. And if I ever see anyone down there uh, and they've heard this podcast, please say hello. And uh, it, it'll be great to, to play paddle and, and also talk film. It, it is actually a blast. I, I just tried it for the first time recently and it is, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, Nolan, um, thank you so much for, for coming on and for, for sharing your story. Um, it's, it's an incredible journey and, and, and really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Jeffrey. I, I love the lay of the lamb podcast and, and I appreciate all the audience that, that's going to listen to this. Thank you, Nolan. If, if folks actually have anything that they, they would like to follow up with you about film gravitas, otherwise, what is the, the best way for them to do so? Yeah. Um, the best way to contact me, you, you can always email me Nolan at, at gravitas ventures. Uh, and you can find the spelling of that on our website or reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at, at Nolan Gravitas. Thank you. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on this show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.